in Jesus' name. You guys can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Once again, the Lord's been dealing with me on some things, so I get to put it on you. I always say that's how that works. It's like he gets on to me, I get on to you, and then I feel better. No, but I do want to share something with you. Um, I've been talking to some of my friends around, and just different little things have been coming up and different discouragements, uh, different things. There's a thing called oppression, and that's the thing that the enemy uses to do this to press us down, to hold us under. Oppression is being pressed down. It's being held under. And no matter how you try to get up, you just keep getting pushed down again. And you, you get in God's presence and you feel a little bit lighter and you feel a little bit better and you say, I'm going to do better today. And then you get pressed down again. The anointing of the Holy Spirit breaks that. So I've been praying that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be on you. So if you've been feeling a little bit lighter, that's why, because the Holy Spirit is on you. But I wanted to read this to you. It's in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And look, I'm so proud of me. I put it on my iPhone. I couldn't find my NIV version, and that's the version I wanted to read from. It says, we demolish. I love that, demolish. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and here's the part I really want you to hear, because I'm going to tell you what I mean by this. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I've read that for years, and I've worked on that for years. And you know how the battlefield is in our minds. But here's one thing that the Lord showed me one time. You know how you'll have a computer screen, and you're searching the Internet, and you're looking for something specific. And then what happens? This whole thing pops up. And the thing about pop-ups is they spend a lot of time, a lot of marketing dollars, a lot of research to say what color is going to attract your attention, except for Dennis. Probably just gray for Dennis. That, that attracts his attention. <laughs> but what colors, what font, what picture, where would it show up on your screen? And those things are called pop-ups. The whole reason for them is to divert your attention from, because you weren't looking for that pop-up. It's like, I didn't know that I needed warm socks in the summertime, but I guess I do. The pop-up says I do. But you look at it, and it diverts your attention from where you were going. And then as soon as you look at it, and you start reading that first line, you think, hmm, that's interesting. And you click it, and then it pops up. And before you know it, you are on a tangent you never meant to go down. That's what happens in life. The enemy has things called pop-ups. But now somebody tell me, how do you get rid of a pop-up on your screen? Click the X. Click the X. And I'm going to tell you really quickly how to do that. When a thought comes to your mind that brings, you know, that oppression, you just say, wait a minute. That is not a thought from God. That is not a thought from God. So you click the X by saying, I do not receive that in Jesus' name. Enemy, get away from me. I take that thought captive in Jesus' name. And then it'll try to pop up again. So you just keep saying that. You keep saying it every time it pops up. And sometimes it'll be every few seconds. Sometimes it'll be the next minute. Sometimes you're in the middle of something and it pops up the next hour. And you find yourself replaying this conversation in your head and saying, you know what, if they were to say that to me again, I'd really have a right answer for them. Or you know what, why did they say that? Why did that happen? Why did God let this happen? Those thoughts that come up, click the X by saying, in Jesus' name, 
I take you captive, and then just start praising God. Because you cannot, your mind cannot be on God and be on that thought at the same time. So remember, when it pops up, just click the X. Amen. Thank you. That's good. Amen. Got your Bibles this morning? Hold them up. I repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, two friends walked into a donut shop. And they walked into this donut shop. And they were having an argument, and they walked in, and, and one of the guys said, you know what, I'm smarter than you are, I'm sneakier than you are, I'm slicker than you are. The other one said, no, you're not. They said, yes, I am. He said, I'm going to prove it. He says, okay. So they walk up to the counter of the donut shop, and they're looking over the counter. There's all these beautiful donuts, and there's some glazed donuts down there. And the first guy waits, and the owner turns his back. He reaches over and grabs a donut, eats it. Owner turns away again, reaches over, grabs another one, does this three times. He's, he's eating all these donuts, and the other guy says, man, what in the world is going on? Then he reaches over, grabs three more donuts, and puts them in his pockets. The other guy's sitting there watching all this, and he says, see, I'm slicker than you. I didn't even get caught. So the guy goes over and goes, okay. He goes, I'd like six uh, glazed donuts. I want to show you a trick. He's talking to the owner, and the owner says, okay, okay. So how are we going to do that? He said, well... Um, actually, just give me three. So he gives him three, and his, his friend's standing there looking at him. So what does he do? He takes and he eats the donuts one at a time very slowly. And the owner looks at him and goes, so what's the trick? Where are my three donuts? He said, well, look in his pocket. <laughs> Shows you how smart he was, wasn't he? <laughs> you know, we're talking about a series. We've been talking about hope. And I had a very interesting situation come up this week, and I've been watching, I guess because the Lord put this in my heart to do this series on hope, I've kind of been watching people, and as I'm dealing with people during the week and at different times, I'm seeing hopelessness in people. I'm seeing people that are, that are beaten down, and like I said, you can, you can physically see people that are hopeless or depressed, can't you? The way they hold themselves, the way they, they're bent over, they don't look up. They literally physically show you many times that they're not even looking up. And I, I called the title today of the sermon, Hope Rises, because God wants us to look up and see where our hope is. And, and I want you to know that if you're dealing with, and I know there are some people that are, if you're dealing with hopelessness, some of you may be even dealing with depression, God has a plan for you, and he wants to lead you out of that darkness. You know, David went through a time where he was depressed, probably a number of occasions, but Psalm 23 where he talks about that he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He feels all alone. There are going to be seasons in our life when we are going to have these thoughts, this oppression, where we feel hopeless. But I want you to understand something. God has hope for you. And he wants to lead you out of that. But it takes you to participate. God wants to help you, but he has a part for you to play. He wants you to look up. If you've got your Bibles or you've got your notes, we're going to look up Jeremiah 29, 11. That's one of the scriptures I've been using for this series. This is God talking. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. 
God has a plan for your life, and it's a good plan. It's a future, and it's a hope. God has a hope for you, a good plan. And that's not just for some people. That's for everyone. And that is good news. No matter how messed up your life may be right now, God has a plan in mind for you, and it's a good plan. It's a future and a hope. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. We talk many times about faith. We talk all the time about love, but we don't talk a lot about hope. Now next week, I'm going to try to turn your hope engine back on, but this week I want you to see how hope begins to rise in our life. A definition of biblical hope is this. It's in your notes. Biblical hope is a confident expectation of a future blessedness or a desired end. Confident hope is a confident expectation of a future blessedness or a desired end. I wanted the layman's definition of that. When you have hope, you have supernatural expectancy that what God has promised you will come to pass in your life. You know, I talked a few minutes ago when, when I came to know the Lord And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, I will never leave you. I want you to understand what that has done in my life. In some of the darkest periods of my life, that has been the anchor of my soul. That has been the life preserver. And it causes hope to begin to rise in me. Because no matter how bad things are, I know that God has made me a promise. And he never lies. He always fulfills his promise. So when God speaks something about your life, it will come to pass. Do you understand me? When God speaks something in your life, it will come to pass. But you have to cling to that hope and not give up on it. Philippians 1 verses 19 through 20 in the New King James Version says this. This is the Apostle Paul talking. For I know the time that he was going through. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by my life or by death. Paul had hope. And if you study Paul's life, if there's anybody in the Bible that went through some challenging times, it was Paul, wasn't it? I mean, that guy was constantly, he, I mean, he was shipwrecked, he was almost drowned, he was bit by a snake. I hate snakes. He was bit by, that snake probably wouldn't even have to bite me. I'd have probably just, you know, fell over with, you know, I, I hate snakes. I hurt myself getting away from snakes. But I mean, he was snake bit, he was put in chains, I mean, put in prison, he was beaten. I mean, Paul had a rough life. So when you read this about this guy, he talks about hope. And this expectation of hope. And hope was so big in him that he wasn't looking at his circumstances. He was always looking up. Because what God had said about him meant more than his circumstances and his situation. That's amazing. I want to define hope for you. The Greek word for hope is elpidzo. Everybody say elpidzo. I don't think they said it like I do. Elpidzo. But it's fun to say. It's kind of like saying fiat, right? Everybody say fiat. El pizzo. So when you go to work or school tomorrow, walk up to your friends and go, El pizzo. 
If they send you to the office, call me, kids. I'll, I'll get you out. But it's Greek, and, and here's what this Greek word means. It means hope and expectation of good things, anticipation of good. I had Dave. Dave's one of our scholars. He's got 1,400 master's degrees or whatever, two, right? But anyway, I asked Dave to go in and do some research for me on this word hope, and he looked back in the Hebrew, and here's what the Hebrew word for hope means, waiting carefully. Waiting in expectation like a woman in labor. Isn't that amazing? Hope is waiting in expectation like a woman in labor that's waiting for this child to come. But there's this expectation. But I also read into that and I understand that that's probably not fun, being in labor. Ladies, would anybody say being in labor is a blast? Not so much. You know, I would imagine that waiting in labor is not good. But the end result is worth the price, isn't it? You're supposed to say amen right there, ladies. Come on. But the end result is worth the price of the labor because of that child you're bringing life into the world. And there's an expectation, and that's what hope, wow, there's this, this expectation that something's amazing going to happen, even if I'm going through a hard time. That's hope. That's what the Hebrew says. The Greek is joyful anticipation, and joyful anticipation. How many of you like Christmas? Come on, let me see your hands. I want you to think back for a moment to Christmas when you were a little kid. And, and maybe there was a Christmas tree and, and there were these gifts at the bottom of the tree and, and some of them had your names on it. How many of you had a hard time sleeping the night before? Come on, let me see your hands. Why? Come on, why? Anticipation, joyful anticipation, right? You're expecting something good down there, right? You were... You were excited. You knew that that gift with your name on it was that army tank with real bullets that you wanted so bad. You know, I mean, there was this joyful anticipation of what was going to go on. Many of you maybe have had grandparents growing up in your life, and you knew they were coming to visit you, or maybe you had friends coming over, and every few minutes you were going to the window to look out. You were joyfully anticipating their arrival. That's what the Greek word means. So when I talk about hope, I'm talking about joyful anticipation of what God has for you. And God is saying, hey, I've got a future and a hope for you. This is a good thing. The plan that I have for you is a good thing. You're going to like it. You're going to like it. That excites me. Because I know that God is speaking something into my life and he's saying, this is going to be a good thing in your life. You're going to like it. Let me read you a story real quick. If you've got your Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. I think Becky's probably going to have it on the screen. Peter and John, this is after Jesus has, has gone back to heaven, okay? Holy Spirit's come on these guys. Peter and John were part of the inner circle of Jesus' team of the disciples. And here's the story. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could beg from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them, eagerly expecting a gift. But Peter said, I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, helped him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankle bones were healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood on his feet, and he began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. I want you to notice something. If you look back at verse 4, Peter and John looked at him intently, and I love this. Peter says, look at us. Now, if this man was on the ground, where did Peter and John want him to look? Up. Look up. Look up at us. The man's just holding his hand out, you know, hey, see you guys. Maybe he sees their feet walking by. Well, there's people there. You know, hey, I, I, I need a gift. Peter said, look at me. Look at us. And he looked up. When he looked up, the lame man looked, eagerly expecting a gift. Now he's really looking. He knows he's going to get something. But do you see how God works? I love the fact that so many times in life we may ask God for something, and what we're asking for is not what we really need. But when we look to him, he gives us what we really need. And Peter, I love it. Peter says, man, I don't have any cash, man. But I'm going to give you what I have. Get up and walk. See, the man wanted some money, but what he needed was healing. And what about in your life? What is it in your life you're asking God for this, that, or the other thing, and God's going, I have so much more for you. Look up. Look up. And as the man looked in expectation, God moved in his heart and touched his body. You know, Dylan came down the other day, and I was praying with him, and, and I said, Dylan, what do you want me to pray about? Many of you know right now, Dylan's in a wheelchair, but I don't think that's always going to be that way. And he looks up at me. I said, Dylan, what do you want to pray about? We were down at the altar. He said, Pastor, I want to walk. I believe that. I believe that. And that encourages my faith. And I want you to know, as your pastor, this is a lot more to me than just words. See, when you pray and you're going through a divorce and you need help and you need hope, you need the reality of God, you don't need somebody to come along and pat you on the head and go, have a nice day. God bless you. You need power. You need God to move. And I know many of you, we've seen God do those things in your life. But when I see Dylan go, Pastor, I want to walk, I believe that because we need that kind of power in our lives and if i read my bible correctly it says we'll pray for the sick and they'll recover so i'm believing that for him and you know what else he believes that and i want you to understand in your own life whatever it is that you're going through you need to look up to jesus because hope rises you say, Pastor, I, I'm going through a challenging time. I, I hear you. We all go. I, the other day I went through a challenging time. Yes, it happened. <laughs> we all go through challenging times. But our hope is not found on the ground. Our hope is up. The cross was up. And we lift our heads and we look because we need somebody to move in our life. We need God's power to move. You know, look in your notes. Got three things I want to cover here.
You know, we talk about faith, hope, and love in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, right? Faith, hope, and love. And I want you to understand, I'm going to give you a good definition here. It's going to help you out. But your faith will only produce what your hope has pictured. I'll say that again. Your faith will only produce what hope is pictured. And let me give you a great illustration. I, I thought of this and, and heard somebody say it, but as I thought about it, it really made sense to me. Um, your faith and your hope, imagine this. Hope is a target. Hope is a target. How many of you have ever seen an archery target growing up? You've ever seen a target before? Has everyone seen a target? Please raise your hands. I'm getting really nervous. Thank you. <laughs> all right, we've all seen targets. And so there's this target up on the wall. Well, we've got a basketball goals. That's the target. But there's a target on the wall. That's hope. Hope is the target. Faith is the arrow. Hope is the target. Faith is the arrow that hits the target. So when your faith begins to rise up, your faith is the arrow that strikes the target. But here's the deal. If you don't have hope, your faith doesn't have a reason to exist. You have to have something to believe for. You have to have hope in something. Next week, and it's very important that you're here. If you're not, I'll know. But you need to be here because next week, I believe that God's wanting us to turn our dreamer engine back on again. Many of you, the reason you've lost hope is because you don't have a target. And you don't have anything for your faith to shoot for. And we have to stir up that hope in. Paul talks about that. Timothy, stir it up, stir up that gift. We have to stir up the hope that's in us because so many times when we become hopeless and we become depressed, we begin to look down and we don't have a target anymore. And we need something to hope for. Hope comes, listen, this is in your notes. Hope comes when you take God's promises about your life and your situation. Keep the promises before your eyes and in your ears until they begin to build an image and an expectation inside of you. You know, I talked uh, last week about blueprints for a house. And, and you know, how many of you have learned to picture things in your mind before they actually happen? I mean, if, if you're building a house, you actually know in your mind's eye, you know what that house looks like even before it's finished. Amen? I mean, you can see what it's going to look like, and that's hope. And then your faith is when it's moving and it's actually going up, and your faith helps you build it, but your hope is what that end result is. And many of you need to see your marriage restored. Many of you need to see in your mind's eye, need to see in your heart what your life would look like without all that debt hanging over you. Many of you need to picture in your mind's eye that lost child coming home. But what you have to do is find out what God's word says about it. And that is where your faith has got to be grounded. What does God say? And then your hope is not in people, it's in God. So I'm going to read this again. Hope comes when you take God's promises, God's word about your life and your situation. Keep the promises before you. God, you said... Lord, your word says, and when you begin to take that and, and hold that up to the Lord, that's his word. That's his truth. And your hope is founded on him and not on some vain expectation. Does that make sense to you? Hope is the target. Faith is the arrow. Here's number two. I love this one. When hope begins to rise in you and get strong, it becomes courage. 
When hope begins to rise up, rise up in you, then courage begins to rise up in you too. And hope plus courage equal results. Read that again. When hope gets strong, it becomes courage. And hope plus courage equals results. Man, y'all, that is so true. That is so good. This is one of those things you ought to take home and cut it out of your notes and put it on your refrigerator. Because it's true. When you begin to get a picture of hope in your mind, when you begin to get a picture of hope in your heart, courage will begin to rise up. God can do this. I believe God's going to do this. And what happened is this courage and this confidence begins to rise up in you. I want to tell you something. I'm going to teach you a little psychology here. Do you know the number one reason that women are attracted to men? And it's not cologne, guys. You know what it is? I learned this this week. Confidence. Confidence. Isn't that interesting? You'd have thought it's good looks. Hey, you know. How you doing? You know, no, no, that's not it. (laughs) It's confidence. And when you have hope, when you have a picture of where you're going in life, if you've ever been around someone, you just knew they knew where they were going, and there's a confidence that rises up in them. God's going to do this thing. I'm confident. Confidence draws you to people. What's the opposite of that? How you doing? I'm not doing any good. You want to do something? I don't know what you want to do. What you want to do? I don't know what you want to do. Not going to work out anyway. Who wants to be around people like that? There's no confidence there. There's no good expectation. There's nothingness. There's blah. And, And God wants us to have this confidence, but this confidence doesn't have to be built up in us. This confidence is in him, and this courage will rise up in us that God's going to do this thing. God's going to do this thing. And I want to tell you something, y'all. This is not in my notes, but you need to hear this. You need to surround yourself with people of confidence and courage. If you get around a bunch of negative Nellies, guess what's going to happen to you? I say this to teenagers all the time, but it's the exact same with adults. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And if you're hanging around with a bunch of losers, guess what? You're like, Pastor, that's so hard. We're supposed to love everyone. Yeah, you're supposed to love everyone, but that doesn't mean you have to hang out with them all the time. You need to surround yourself with people that you want to be like. You need to surround yourself with people that have a confidence in God because if the people that you're hanging around with are negative, then you need to get away from them. Why? Because that's going to get on you. And pretty soon you're going to be negative. (laughs) You know, I could preach a long time about that. But that is true. And some of you need to change your friends. Some of you need to change who you're hanging out with. Some of you are going, but I'm married to her. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> but the reality is, some of your friends that you're hanging around with, if, if they're all negative, guess what, y'all? You're going to be those people. You need to hang around people that get your hope up, that encourage you, that build your confidence, that help you become courageous. That's what you need to be surrounded by. Do you understand me? 
So some of you, I've just given you a license to get rid of some of your friends. And when I say get rid of, I don't mean bury them in a ditch somewhere. I just mean stay away from them. Okay? But it's true, guys. It's true. You know, I'm going to ask you, if you get around me at all, I'm going to ask you, you know, are you sp- if you're dealing with a challenge, one of the first things that will come out of my mouth is what is God saying about your situation? What does the Bible say? Because you don't need to come to me just for good advice. What does the Bible say about your situation? Okay, what are the promises? The second thing I'm probably going to talk about is who are you hanging around with? Because those are the people that are going to help dictate. Because God's word may be something, but what is the environment feeding you? There you go. Boy, y'all should say amen or something. I mean, I feel like I'm by myself this morning. Come on, Marty, say amen every once in a while. I appreciate, thank you, sir. Number three, you're going to really like this one when you're dealing with faith and expectation. There will be hard times. Everyone said, amen. amen. There will be hard times, but when they come, hope keeps you intensely focused on God's promise. It keeps you seeing that promise on the inside of you, even when you can't see it on the outside. Say that again. Hope keeps you seeing the promise on the inside of you, even when you can't see it on the outside. Romans 5, 2 through 5, this is the English Standard Version. Through him, Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope in the glory of God. Now, this next verse is when it gets interesting. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What? How many of you like to suffer? If you do, come see me this afternoon and we'll visit. Okay? But Paul says we rejoice in our suffering. Listen to this. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. We rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. You know, Tommy and I have been working out the last couple weeks. You probably can tell. Um, But I, you know, we've been working out. I'm getting all strong again, and I'm not just talking my smell. I mean, you know, I, but here's the deal. When we first went into the gym, it was not pretty. But we went into the gym. We start working out. There's some suffering involved there. But you know what? If you don't begin to work out, how are you going to develop any endurance? You understand? So suffering produces endurance, but it keeps on going. And it said endurance produces character. Wow. So you mean suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And listen to this. And character produces hope. Hmm. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through who? The Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love that, y'all. Isn't that such a clear image? I mean, right now, if I were to ask most of you in this room, I mean, I see some Olympian bodies out there. But, you know, if I were to ask most of you, hey, do you feel like you need to get in shape a little bit? You'd say, absolutely, I do. You know, and you would just like to take a pill and get in shape, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be nice? And I want you to understand something. When you turn on the the TV and you're scrolling through, you know, the abs of steel and, and all these different workout programs, just watching that will not help you. Right? I mean, some of you are in such bad shape, you watch those programs and it wears you out, okay? You know, that is not going to get you in shape. 
And sometimes we need to understand if we want hope to rise up through us, we're going to go through some hard times. And it's by intent. God knows that if we're going to be strong, we're going to have to go through some things. You know, there are some of you, I know some of your stories, that have suffered greatly. But it has made you who you are and you're a better person for it. How many of you watch Duck Dynasty? I got to be honest with you. <laughs> it's Wednesday night, right? Is that the show that comes on Wednesday night? We went home from church the other night. I, I've got to confess, I have not watched it very much before. And everybody's asking me about it. And, and so we went home Wednesday night and we turned on the TV and it was the new episode of Duck Dynasty. <laughs> I love those guys. I don't know that I have any relatives in Louisiana, but I'm probably related to some of them. But, I mean, we were cracking up. I don't think I've ever seen Trisha laugh so hard. We were laughing and having a good time. And I, and I don't know, but there was this one part where some of the boys and two of the guys from the shop decided to go out fishing. And they forgot to put the plug in the boat. And they got out in the boat, and the boat filled up with water, and they had a lot of weight in the boat, and it sunk. And they came back to Dad. What's his name? Phil, and, and, and he, you know, I, I love, because I feel this way about my, I'm 46 years old. If I walk in and I do something stupid, the last person I want to tell is my dad. So here comes, I think, Jace, and he comes walking in to see his dad and tell him, uh, he, you know, dad's like, what's up? You know, dads know stuff. You know what I'm talking about? What's up? Well, uh, we kind of sunk your boat. <laughs> What do you mean you sunk my boat? Well, the three of us, and he's looking at the other two guys who probably weigh 300 pounds each, got into this little flat-bottom boat, and we forgot to put the plug in it. So the dad very lovingly, very caringly said, you yuppies, you don't know what you're doing. You filled up the boat. You know what I mean? He just jumped all over them. But then the good news was he wanted to help them. So he went down to the river with them, and he watched them pull the boat out of the water encouraging them in love the entire time in a lawn chair <laughs> in the swamp. But you know what? Those boys learned something, didn't they? And sometimes in life, we have to go through things where we suffer because when we suffer, we become stronger. And it builds character in us. And the end result is hope. Man, that's amazing to me. That's a recipe. So some of you right now are really suffering, and I want you to understand something. You need to understand that God wants to help you in the situation that you're in, but you need to come to him. You need to come to him. Say, Lord, help me. And don't tell the Lord how to fix your problem. Just give him your problem, and then let him fix it. Because he's telling you that he's got a good future and a good hope for you. But you're going to have to go through some things, but he's going to help you. Do you understand me? God has a plan for your life. And here's the point. Hope is certain because what is hoped for is based on the character and power of God. And God never fails. Hope is certain because what is hoped for is based on the character and power of God. And God never fails. When you're suffering, when you're, when you're going through some challenging times and you can't see hope, go to his word and find out what his word says. God, what does your word say about this situation? Find it and stand on it. 
Why? Because his word never fails. And some of you may say, I've been doing that, Pastor. When, when is it going to come? When, when is the solution going to come? When is the help going to come? When is God going to deliver me from this? Write this down. When it's time. When it's time. You know, sometimes you've got to go through things until it's ready. And, and, and I know many of you like to cook. I can tell. <laughs> but, but whenever you cook something, whether it's on the stovetop or in the oven, you don't want to take it out too early or too late, do you? It needs to cook all the way. And it's ready when it's ready. And you need to understand the challenges and some of these things you're facing. God wants to raise that hope up in you, but you need to hope in him. And it will be over. Probably won't be over when you think it should be. But it'll be over when it's time. You understand me? So big things today, two big things. One, and I really think this is for God for many of you. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you hanging out with? Number two, trust God about your situation and hope in his word and his truth because he never changes and he never fails. Last question today. So what are you hoping for? What are you thinking about? And what is your desired end? What's your target? What are you hoping for? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word never fails. And I thank you, Lord, that you love each one of us, that, Father, you've got a plan for our life, that, Lord, there's hope in us. And, Lord, your word tells us that you've got a good plan for us. Each one of our lives, you've got a future and a hope. And it's good. It's good. You love us. No matter what we've done, no matter what we said, we're your kids. And you're good. The story of the prodigal where he ran away and he squandered everything the dad had given him. And he came to himself in a foreign land in a pig pen. You died for that guy. Well, Lord, I've been that guy. Most of us have. Most of us have walked away from you. We, we, we've done our own thing, Lord. We, we've tried it our own way. And it hasn't worked. And, and Father, I know you're the good Father. You're looking for us to come home. You just want us to come home. Jesus died so that we could come home. And there's no condemnation from you. You don't condemn us. You don't give us the I told you so story. Say, come on home. Hope. Hope. Lord, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, and I pray especially for those that are dealing with depression. Lord, those are dealing with hopelessness that they can't see the end. They, they don't know how they're going to get out of the problem they're in. They, they don't see a way out. Lord, I pray for someone today that's considering suicide. Because they don't have hope. And you would say to them, look up. Look up. 
Father, I pray that you would move in our hearts today. Speak to us. And Lord, I pray for those that are here today that maybe they're full of your hope and they're full of your courage. I speak to them and I I charge those people today that you are to be a lighthouse of hope. That you extend the hope you have to other people around you who are lost. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill of hope. Hope that it doesn't have to be this way anymore. Hope that we don't have to be lost. Hope that these addictions will not hold us. Hope. And we have hope because of your love. That you first loved us. If you're here today and and maybe you're that person, you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with hopelessness, you don't know how you're going to make it through another day. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to the altar. If you're, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior and you need Him and you know you need Him, today's your day. If you're a Christian and you've walked away, you're doing your own thing and it's not working, today's your day. If you're sick in your body and you need God's healing power, today's your day. Whatever needs you have, there's hope. And that hope is found in a person, and that person is Jesus. So if you're here today for any reason, nobody's looking around, but you say to me, Pastor, I need Jesus in my heart. I've never accepted him as my Savior. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to do that. Or if you're here today and you're a Christian, but you've walked away and you know you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Or maybe you're here today and you've lost hope. You're like that man at the gate, beautiful, and you're just looking down. And you think it's just always going to be this way. That's you, slip your hand up, say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Here's what I'm gonna do. There's hands that went up. If the prayer partners will come. You know, I've learned something, folks. There are very few things worse than hopelessness. So if that's you, if you slip your hand up and you want somebody to pray with you about any of the things that I've talked about, I want you to come down to the altars and let's just take a few minutes. If you just want somebody to agree with you in prayer, come on down. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Sean. Sean.